Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune in to the Trade Addicts podcast. Thank you and enjoy your podcast. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and nerds all at once. When the mask's not adding up, you better check it out. I'm working to the ground. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard, at PA Howdy on Twitter. This is a member of the DLF family of podcasts. Unsponsored, unadvertised, unimportant. Um, so welcome back to Crossroads. This episode is a couple days late, but like always, I have reasons. One is I'm trying to switch over to my in-season schedule slowly, and I don't exactly know what that's going to be yet. Now, in-season, we typically aimed for mm, right about after the waiver wire ran, um, essentially because when I'm less interested in creating a top five list of players to go add. I'm, I try and stay more dynasty-focused, even in-season, looking for trends, looking for who's having a good or a better season, more depth charts. In other words, I'm more interested in players that might be still on the waiver wire after the waiver wire runs than I am um, players who might be addable or targets on a, a waiver wire in a particular week, um, and also players that should already be rostered. So, uh, yeah, I never felt a great need to push it out before actionable things had to take place in season and um, stayed very much dynasty focused but also it just seemed to be a good dead zone like after the 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 um wave wire podcast run um quite often there was a, a lack of other podcasts to listen to before though that week's games um slates tended to be broken down and um, between waiver wire shows and uh, the actual waiver wire and after the waiver wire there's just the games to look forward to and so there tended to be a lack of podcast strapped and i liked inserting it into that space because again this podcast isn't meant to necessarily be the most actionable immediate content on the occasion we do find stuff it's more meant to be if you've got 30 minutes and you want to listen to or hear someone talk or talk with someone else about dynasty um oftentimes more holistically just developing an understanding of different situations of different statistics and also different situations in order that you can make better decisions without you know having that at me or at anyone else which you're always free to do uh you got 33 minutes and you want to listen to a podcast about football that's that's where i come in i'm not i'm not looking to make decisions on your team or tell you how to win or not win so much as just talk to you about football for 30 minutes when you feel like uh that would be a fun thing to do and there's no one else around that's that's me um so uh off in the off season i've mostly been aiming for saturdays mostly just because of my work schedule and um, it worked out pretty well i could record it edit it by the end of the week and put it out on the weekends because also i don't see a lot of podcasts dropped on the weekends mostly we drop them in the week and people listen to them throughout the week so in other words on sunday when i went for my run uh, like my podcast queue was empty i'd already burnt through them all and i thought that might be a good hole for the off season um according to a twitter poll 
and anything you guys get back to me either in the comments on the YouTube video um, or in a view or you know at me on Twitter at some point and um, Monday might be that space for you in the uh, in season in the 2021 season so I'm currently aiming to record the Dynasty Crossroads, edit it, and get it out for you all on Monday. For you all, you know, all seven of you, and myself. Um, that makes eight. That makes eight. We just went up a viewer. Awesome. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Monday is the plan right now. I don't know what that means for the weekly stream, though, because I do want to be available. I do like streaming. I like being able to talk about football, pretty obviously, and doing it live is always fun, so I'm thinking, oh, wait. That was awkward. Anyway, um, so yeah, I might have to move the Monday grind to maybe the Tuesday or the end of the week grind if, and start asking if you have any questions or immediate things or um, weekly uh, events or situations that you want an opinion on from whatever the hell my perspective is. Um, and that way I can cover those in the um, Monday grind or the live stream, which might need a new name depending on depending on when we find time to actually do that in our schedule. So that's where I'm at right now with the in-season schedule. We got a couple weeks. I thought it was about time we started talking about it and planning for it. And speaking of which, the subject for this week's podcast is going to be what I'm doing with weekly projections, just because that's what I've been doing lately. And also, I thought it was pretty interesting, um, and it spat out some things that I think uh, could be really interesting at the very start of the season. Now, again, when we're dynasty-focused, we tend to be more long-term view, but that is kind of a longer-term view that most are giving you right now. The closer we get to the season, the more people are going to start talking about the strength of schedule through the first three weeks, which is useless, because it's based on games that no longer apply to the strength of schedule and adjusting it based on how good we think players are which is really where those things are made although i would say um warren sharp on twitter and also he has a website and you know who warren sharp is i do find his positional specific um he actually has graphs and charts if you go check out the uh the website um I forget the actual name of that. I'm assuming it's just warrenshop.com. Because um, you can look at it from a position-specific uh, basis and um, defenses versus that specific offense's position. And he seems to have more luck than I've seen with most strengths of schedules. And that's not a plug, and he doesn't even know who I am. So I'm certainly not getting money for it. I just find that a fun way to look if you're interested in the strengths of schedule. But I didn't mean to go too far off the rails with that. Where was I? Oh, yeah. Um, so... Right now, it is a little bit more long-term to think about week one, week two, week three, who might show up early, which will have a dramatic effect on dynasty value, and also, since we're trying to win, a weekly points advantage. Um, and so some names showed up just based on this early version of a weekly projection model, so I thought I'd talk to you about how I'm doing weekly projections, what they mean, because I'm looking at it through a slightly different lens and trying to actually guess which is essentially what we're doing, what's actually going to happen on a week-to-week basis. I'm, I'm sliding the goal of my projections. Now I'm free um, from player profiler and other places that were using my projections, like uh, which have a, a very specific goal, which is to win at DFS, and by specifically projecting more accurate numbers for those players... I'm more interested in doing something else um, for the 2020 season. So I'm going to tell you what I'm doing, what I think it might be useful for, um, and how it might be useful, and then where it's going to be. And so if you're interested in that, you know, you've probably already stuck around. But if not, then, you know, thanks for checking out the intro. I appreciate it. I do. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so yeah, uh, you can see this podcast live on YouTube if you're bored of listening to it and you want to see my smiling face. Anyway, um, weekly projections. So... 
what I wasn't, what I got increasingly interested in doing while trying to recreate a new projection model, not for any specific reason, because increasingly I, I'm trying to re, trying to understand where I'm at in this fantasy football space and how the heck I got here. I, I, I feel like the Joker from that Batman movie, but I'm like I'm just a dog chasing a car, and I seem to have caught the tail end of one, and I don't really know how I got here or what to do with it. So. Something I've been realizing lately is I've never really had a goal. I didn't set out to create perfect videos or perfect projections or perfect player takes or a wide receiver model or just take over the industry with my perfect content and then present it. I've more of just found stuff interesting while playing fantasy football, found out you can follow and they will tell you exactly how they do most things, the real uh, geniuses and behind the curtain in the kitchen of fantasy football working on statistics and finding edges like you can follow them and talk to them and they will tell you how and all you have to do is be willing to actually learn or refresh yourself on a little bit of math and do a little bit of legwork and you can learn how it's going on and then you constantly find yourself really annoyed by people who post the end result with no understanding of where that actually comes from and why the conclusion is entirely unrelated to the stats they're using, uh, like vacated targets or using split stats, and uh, eventually your manic uh, craziness on Twitter leads to people finding that fun and also they like free data and maybe not doing some of the legwork themselves, and then you get me. I just I find things interesting, I'm trying to learn about them while having fun playing fantasy football, I'm really enjoying the community, and then, you know, you end up here, and I have no clear direction or pass or thing that is me. So, uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. And it's the same with projections. Like, I started doing it because I thought it was interesting. I got asked to do it seriously for Player Profiler, and so I kind of knuckled down there and did some real work for a while. And now, looking at projections, I was just like, why not create a new model? Why not? I got time. And I think it would be interesting to recreate it, having applying what I've learned from doing it over the last few years and being relatively successful at it um, to a new model. And then I was like, nah, it's really hard work and boring. How could I create one that just spits out a number that I don't necessarily have to adjust or justify or find out what's gone wrong or readjust things to what's actually reasonable because no projection model is actually as complicated as even my mind when looking at the end results. You can be like, oh, well, I see that they're over-projecting because of touchdown efficiency that happened over the last few weeks or whatever else. Instead, I just don't want to have to do that. It's real hard work. In fact, so is this. But I got interested in the idea of just being able to plug in Vegas lines and project what Vegas is telling us they think players are going to do. Now, obviously, they're not telling us what they think players are going to do. Those are prop bets. But... Here's the thing, I was using Vagal Science to stabilize volume on a week-to-week basis for seasonal projections last year, and I found a few interesting things about them. One, they're no more predictive than most projection models, and it's better to think of them as Vegas's best bet on what's a good over-underline that they're going to make the most money. Not necessarily this industry standard of how many points is actually going to happen in a game. What's the over-underline we have to set to make enough people bet and lose money to us? That's really Vegas. But there is a lot of adjustment. If a quarterback goes out, for example, they adjust the line based on who his replacement is. So if Trey Lance takes over from Jimmy Garoppolo, we're going to see them make a very researched, because they've got a lot of money riding on it, opinion on whether to adjust the line up or down. So I can do that research myself, or I can just, like, take theirs. 
That's that's a lot of research. That's interesting. And I also know from using Vegas in my weekly projections model last year that I can project volume. I can stabilize fairly well the volume we expect in any particular game in the rushing and the passing game. So that's interesting. The only problem is with a Vegas line, essentially what they give us, or if you're not going to go down into player props or anything else, is they give you a game total, and from that, you can f- and a spread. So whether a team's going to win by three points or lose by three points based on if they're an underdog or the favorite, or whatever number they happen to put on that variance and the potential finishing in that game line. So in other words, from what Vegas gives us as an industry standard, and Vegas is actually a composite term. There are lots of Vegas lines. We all just tend to refer to a common average, but anyway. From that Vegas line, say a team is projected for 51.5 points. As right now, Arizona is in week one, but these Vegas lines will change as we get closer, which is one of the things. They're doing research, and they're adjusting their line, and I can just change the number. I don't have to do any of that research, and I thought that was interesting. So Arizona is projected for 51.5 points in week one. So that means with a spread of three, and they're the favorite, which means if we divide that 51.5 number by two, we essentially get a version of a team projection in points, how many touchdowns and field goals are they going to score. But there's also that spread. They're not going to score the exact number of points. So if you adjust the favorite and the underdog by that three spread, I'm probably teaching you to suck eggs right now, but bear with me, then we can actually get a team projection instead of just a game projection. And you have to run through that process. Uh, Vegas lines don't typically spit out Team, pro- team projections or uh, for a week's game, but it's fairly simple calculation, so you'll find it on pretty much any website. And I can do that fairly easily because I can divide by two as well. Barely. All right. So Arizona's projected 51.5 yards with a spread of three in week one. Adjusting right now, this is one of the areas I want to improve the model All I'm doing is saying that each team is going to score at least one field goal. I'm assuming there's a better way of doing it. But for right now, just to get it running, that's what I did. I I divided by two, adjusted by the spread, whether the favorite or the underdog, to create a team projection, minus three points for a single field goal, and then I divided that number by touchdowns, by seven points, six and the field uh, and the extra point. Because again, you know what that is, but I'm teaching you to suck eggs, so here we go. So essentially that creates a touchdown projection, and that's interesting and something that I was using um, for my weekly projections as well, because you could see if you were going too hard or too soft on a particular game or player projection based on if that player team, once you summed everything up, was producing too many touchdowns or too few touchdowns based on Vegas. But that's an actual stat that we can apply to players. That's not suddenly a team points um, which is unrelated to fancy, fantasy. Instead, we've got touchdowns. Now, touchdowns are related to fantasies. Normally, the thing we pay the least attention to, and yet scores the most points, and has the highest because it has the highest week-to-week variance. We tend to avoid it in terms of projection, but they are highly effective in identifying who's going to score the most points. That with touchdowns is kind of everything, especially at the tight end position, um, but also the other positions as well. You've only got you know three touchdowns if you're lucky scored in an individual game. Who catches that touchdown, especially if they're getting volume on top of it, is relatively important. You might have heard of this since you presumably play fantasy football and have gone way too far. Either way, so... Taking that spread and that game projection currently for week one in Arizona, that means that they should score three touchdowns in week one according to Vegas, or that's their over-under line, at least. So how 
How much can we play with that number? Turns out kind of a lot, actually. So what I used for an assumption before the season is my seasonal projections. I just went back into my seasonal model and I created some expectations on touchdown efficiency and team splits and rushing touchdowns and passing touchdowns based on what we're projecting for the season proper because there's a lot of I think, good research behind those already. And so I don't, again, I just borrow my own research. You know, I don't have to plug everything in and regress, regression model my way to the numbers that we should expect in an individual game for 2021. Instead, just take what we expect for season long and we'll use that until we get enough weeks in 2021 to start using the actual data from that season. Right now, I think that's going to happen around week three and we'll try it, see if it's too varied or maybe we'll wait to week four which is usually where things start to stabilize. All right, so where was I? I was telling, three touchdowns for Arizona week one. Well, based on my projections, Arizona should score about 42% of their rush touchdowns in the rushing game and 57% of their touchdowns in the receiving game. There are decimal points there. Don't tell me that doesn't add up to 100. I just don't want to decimal point you to death on a podcast. Give me a break. So on average, by the way, that's not a like pro team wide receiver take or anything. That's not a zero running back take. That's actually conforms to the average for my projections, but also based on the last three to five years of NFL data. For example, on average, teams score about 38% of their touchdowns in the rushing game and 61% of the touchdowns to the receiving game. I'm not devaluing the rushing game. This isn't, this isn't a zero RB podcast right now, at least. All right. So if we take that percentage or that expected split in their touchdowns and apply that to the three touchdowns we're projecting for week one, we get 1.3 rushing touchdowns and 1.7 receiving touchdowns. Now, that's not, we need to hold touchdowns eventually, but at least is interesting because now we can divide those touchdowns into different player categories based on who's going to get rushing touchdowns and receiving touchdowns. Interesting. We can also project yards based on the efficiency we expect for that offense in my projections right now, but hopefully and soon switching it over to actual data in the 2021 season because they get a certain number of yards per every touchdown. That's a number that regrets because it's an efficiency number that regresses wildly as all efficiency numbers do. But here's the thing about yards per touchdown. It does actually regress to the average, unlike most efficiency stats until you have a significant sample size. But on a team level, that's true too. It will vary wildly week to week, but because they regress to a season-long average in general, then it is a reasonable assumption, a reasonable medium projection for the team that if Arizona scores 3.1 rushing touchdowns, which will actually obviously just be one rushing touchdown and two receiving touchdowns, then they should, 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 anyway, should rush around 141 yards because that's about the efficiency we're projecting in the seasonal model. So now we have a team projection of touchdowns and yards, and that's interesting, but we're still not on players, and that's what we want. We want Vegas to project our players. Now notice we've already made some assumptions here. We're making assumptions about the offense's touchdown efficiency, the split of touchdowns in the rushing and receiving game, so it's not just what Vegas tells us, it's what we think those Vegas numbers tell us if we make a few minor reasonable assumptions that will adjust as we get different information from the 2021 season. All right, so that's where this projection model switches over to a from a Vegas projecting team model to a Vegas projecting player model. And it runs through a fairly simple process 
just exactly the same process, really, but on a player-based level. So what I do is look up, for right now, my seasonal projections on players receiving yards per touchdown and rushing yards per touchdown. I also look up how likely we expect them to be involved in the receiving and rushing touchdown game. So if you... Well, let's stick with Arizona. Right now, we're expecting... um, Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, or I'm expecting DeAndre Hopkins, to have about 31.7% of that team's receiving touchdowns. That's very high, and that's the kind of thing I think this kind of methodology can show you, but anyway, that's where it is. And so if we take the projections that we just created using Vegas numbers and apply that to um, our expectation for how the percentage of touchdowns we expect DeAndre Hopkins to get, now suddenly we have a DeAndre Hopkins touchdown projection for week one. And you can see how this funnels backwards into all the other targets from touchdowns from Vegas lines. And I think that's just really interesting. And so I just kept playing with it. Is it good? I actually think it's going to be reasonable, uh, reasonably good at projecting what I'm interested in. But we'll see, I guess. All right. So once you have receiving touchdowns, you can project yards based on receiving yards per touchdown. And that's, again, something that regresses on a player's average. And with someone like DeAndre Hopkins, we can be reasonably certain um, of what he's going to get. And so if DeAndre Hopkins gets 5.54 of that receiving touchdown total we mentioned, because that's what 31% of it is, then he should catch around 110 yards. And from there, we can create receptions and targets based on, again, what we expect DeAndre Hopkins to do on a season-broad level when you backtrack those stats that way. And that essentially means we've gone from a Vegas team game projection all the way to a DeAndre Hopkins target projection, and now we're starting to look like an actual projection model by running through Vegas to the team to the player, making some reasonable expectations of their role in that offense. Now, unfortunately, no one wants to hear about how DeAndre Hopkins is going to score 0.54 touchdowns, but they do need some level of touchdown projection in order to get those yards since we're funneling it through yards. So what I did is remove those from their stat line and actually just rank them in terms of what we're expecting um, them to be in the receiving game for touchdowns on the rushing game for touchdowns and then project you know the the person who's most likely to catch a touchdown to catch the first touchdown the person who's second most likely to catch a touchdown to catch the the second touchdown and so on we're not going to project everyone to score a little bit of a touchdown or a little bit of a rushing touchdown we're going to project whole touchdowns based on for right now what who we expect is most likely to score a touchdown, second most likely, and third most likely in the receiving and the rushing game. Which also means, and it's something I also want to work on, we're never going to project a player for more than two touchdowns. Which needs some work, I grant you. And I, that's it. I've built it. I would just have to input... I do have, like, there's, few, there's a few others as well, areas I want to work on. But that would mean we just need to continuously update Vegas lines. And instead of projecting, this is what I think DeAndre Hopkins is going to do, instead now I have a, a, a player projection line heavily based on what Vegas is saying with just some some, some major, but some reasonable major ex, expectations of his role in that offense. And I think that's an interesting projection. Anyway, um, so let me give you an example. Uh, and the one one of the names that pops up to me is because 
currently I have Trey Lance as the quarterback who's going to start the season. Not because I know that's going to happen or, you know, I'm ranking him. That's not what I'm doing. It's just I think the market right now is really expecting strong things from Trey Lance. So I think it would be interesting to see, based on the Vegas line right now, what Trey Lance would do. And he comes up as quarterback four because the team projection is 26.8 points. That's like a top three, top five projection for the week on a team level. They're also playing away, and they are heavy favorites, so the spread is in their favor. And that's creating an expectation that the team is going to score at least two passing touchdowns. Uh, Yeah, I'm projecting only 26% of the touchdowns to come from the rushing game. Despite them being a heavy rushing team, and that's likely incorrect. Again, it's showing up things that don't necessarily pass a sniff test on a game-by-game projection, but that's what I want it to do rather than it be an accurate representation. But that is interesting that that's what it spit out after taking into account what happened last year and the scheme proper and using all the assumptions we put in as reasonably as we could to the season-long projection. We're expecting more receiving touchdowns. Part of a function is that is you really can't kick Debo Samuels out this offense in projections, and we're have to, having to heavily push up Brandon Ayuk's role to account for how we feel his season might project um, in 2021, and that's partly why that receiving touchdown number has become, in my opinion, slightly out of balance. You have to give him a large t- larger touchdown role that is really reasonable with George Kittle still on the roster, um, and it just bumps up there. The other thing I noticed about San Francisco in week one is Trey Sermon's projected as running back 30 because I currently have a heavy split because we don't really know how that situation is going to work out in San Francisco with Trey Sermon getting the lead role, but with a team getting a heavy receiving touchdown expectation based on our off-season gamblings on what the San Francisco 49ers are going to do with Brandon Debo Samuel and George Kittle, it means that there's a lack of work in the rushing game going around. I don't think that's entirely true, and I don't have to, this is just an, a reasonable expectation based on the Vegas line and what we've ended up doing to this team or our thoughts on this team this offseason. We can disagree with it and see it as an edge against Vegas lines when we're making DFS lineups or making decisions for week one start sits for that matter. On the other hand, we've got George Kittle going as court, uh, tight end two, which I think is very reasonable. Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel both being top four wide receivers. And again, we see the problem with our current expectation of the 49ers offense and of Trey Lance. Because Trey Lance has relatively little stats to base his, coll- his um, NFL season on. He's probably not getting as much work in the rushing game. And the San Francisco 49ers aren't producing enough in the rushing game based on everything we're expecting in the receiving game for the San Francisco 49ers this offseason. Because that's really what my seasonal projections are going are trying to do. Where we're at with these teams going into 2021. And so instead of saying, well, that means I have to start all my 49ers week one, it looks like they're in a good game script right now, according to Vegas, with some really interesting players. All of these guys are fairly high drafted and are going to be on rosters. None of them are waiver wire ads. But even with Jimmy Garoppolo gets a start, this is an interesting game, unless Vegas changes the line significantly before the 2021 season, because these are really a week-to-week. I've had to reach really far into the future. For a Vegas line, you really typically don't use it until you're in that week. I'm just trying to get an early look. And so that's kind of what I hope for these projections, that you can see what seems reasonable and what seems unreasonable, and then maybe find some edges that way. Anyway, some other things to end this on a maybe 
Sounds like something you might have wanted to listen to note. Uh, running backs that finish in the top 12 that I think are remarkably interested because they're in high-scoring games with teams that should score a significant amount of their touchdowns in the rushing game compared to the spread of teams in general. Um, uh, Daryl Henderson and uh, both in fairly high-scoring games in Week 1. And Daryl Henderson's in one currently projected to have a 26-point team total. Daryl Henderson. Now, obviously, we're probably expecting more from the rushing game in my seasonal projections right now than we actually do based on the recent Cam Akers injury. And so that's why Daryl Henderson is shooting up there, because we're expecting more production from the team level in the rushing game than we now expect with the adjustment of Daryl Henderson. However... It's also because Daryl Henderson is in a 26-point game as a heavy home favorite against Chicago with a favorable spread, and he's more likely to be the runner who gets a touchdown if the team gets a touchdown, and so the model is assigning him the rushing touchdown in that offense, and in a heavy spread or in a heavy scoring game, it's actually producing on a team level. Yeah, Rams, we're actually projecting about two rushing touchdowns based on our expectation for the Rams in 2021, or my expectations for the Rams in 2021. Again, I think that's interesting, because I don't think Darrell Henderson's a top four running back. I don't think he's going to be necessarily top 12 week one, although that would be, you know, lots of memes going around week one if Darrell Henderson were to go off that strong. What it does suggest to me is we're too enamored with the Rams' rushing attack, especially with the loss of... Um, Cam Akers right now. Um, anyway, that's what I'm running right now and what I'm trying to perfect and get better uh, and make uh, get to a place where I am happy to just change the Vegas numbers and post it. Um, I'm putting it in the same link that I was, I've put the seasonal projections. Right now it's just hosted on Patreon. Um, and yeah, I'm going to be posting weekly projections based off this model, making content around it, and also making fantasy decisions, hopefully based on the conclusions I draw from looking at it. I think it's interesting. Let me know what you think, though. At uh, PA Howdy on Twitter, same thing on YouTube, um, or wherever else you like to consume fantasy content, pretty much. And um, uh, my writing's all at DLF. That's it. That's all the plugs you get. I know you love plugs, but that's all the ones I'm doing today. Anyway, I really appreciate it. Let me know what you think about this. Let me know. Uh, thanks very much. Talk to you next week. Bye. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that, I, I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore. I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road. Go, clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so Jake on the table and they on the plays, so Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so Jake on the table and they on the plays, so Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical